Hello, everybody. This is the Ether Podcast, and uh, today we are super excited. As you know, we've been going through this whole uh, How to Study the Bible series. We have spent most of our time, except for one podcast and one video that we spent on the Book of Acts, we have spent most of our time in the Old Testament and explaining uh, what the Old Testament is about. Actually, more than anything, we've been explaining... Uh, the genres of the Old Testament mostly. Um, and we've been explaining how to read said, said genres in the Old Testament. And today uh, we are talking about sort of the bridge between the Old and the New Testament, uh, mostly because we only have one genre that dominates the Old Testament, which is the law, uh, which I'm still trying to decide how we're going to address that, Ryan, because it can either be super straightforward and kind of boring, or we can make it a little <laughs> But talking about the law is kind of tricky. So before we did that, I thought this was going to be a good conversation to have uh, because that video slash podcast could end up being a bore. So I thought <laughs> people's with an interesting conversation about the bridge between the Old and the New Testament. And let me begin by saying this, and uh, I will confess something here, Brian Novak. I've been a Christian for 15 years. No, more than that. Uh, almost 17 years, Ryan Novak. Actually, All right. To, uh, the day after tomorrow, it will be 17 years. I can't believe hey. it. Hey, happy birthday. Well, thank you, sir. And And see, here's the amazing thing. I could say with a good degree of confidence that up until about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, I had not put uh, the time and the effort in understanding the Old Testament that I should have. Not mm -hmm. that I never read it, not that I never gave it any time, but I feel like in the past year and a half, I have made a concerted effort, Ryan Novak, in really understanding uh, the Old Testament. And it's and it is radically uh, changed my walk with God. It has changed my understanding of the Bible, and it has changed my faith. If I'm honest, uh, I think understanding the Old Testament thoroughly uh, really builds up your faith. Why did you not study it earlier? Uh, I think well. That's a <laughs> Because I, I think it's a dual, it's a, it's a, it's two big reasons, right? Okay. One, um, the Old Testament can seem super overwhelming. I think just given its size, or not only its size. So, I, by and large, I feel like you can read the New Testament and without. Uh, without, well, I, I want to say a whole lot of effort because it does take quite a bit of effort. But in as far as, as understanding at face value what you're reading in the New Testament, things are pretty straightforward. Okay. Yes, there are depths to what you're reading and there are complexities to reading the New Testament. But by and large, you can read the New Testament and get a pretty good idea of what the text is talking about, right? Yeah, okay, okay. I feel like for as long as I was a Christian, I read or heard from the pulpit so many different interpretations, for example, of uh, Genesis 1 through 3, or so many interpretations of the book of Job. Or so many things about Abraham. And it's kind of like you begin to read these stories and these books. And it feels like there's so much more there. Mm -hmm. and it's a little intimidating. And so that's one aspect of it. And let me say this. I'm, I'm not a person that is easily intimidated by things. And I'm generally a pretty deep thinker. Right? And so... Okay. In a, in addition to sort of this, oh, the Old Testament is overwhelming, I think there was always uh, a never outright stated 
um, like it was never said out loud. It was never said with the words I'm about to say. But I feel like in general Christianity, there's sort of this uh, sense that the New Testament is more important. Okay, yeah. Because most of the sermons that you hear are from the New Testament. Most of the... Uh, when, so when people are discipling you and when people are helping you grow spiritually, a lot of what you hear is from the, is from the New Testament. Uh, it just... And again, nobody ever came to me and said, like, hey, Rodrigo, the New Testament is more important than the Old Testament. So therefore, that's where you should spend most of your time. But sort of uh, both from, I guess, uh, a wrongly arrived conclusion on my part that was aided by sort of an environment that gives a lot more emphasis to the New Testament than the Old Testament, I sort of arrived at the conclusion of, I should spend my time here because this is more important. Now, I, I think I heard that exact message actually growing up. Oh, really? Yeah, absolutely. And one of the basic things that they said was, well, just think about the titles. It's the Old Testament <laughs> and the New Testament, meaning that, or in, kind of insinuating that the old is, has no use. It's, been abandoned it's sort of there if you've tapped out everything from the new testament so like if you really want to go back and read this other literature i guess you can here it is we're going to include it in your bible um and but the new testament is really where it's at because we're christians we're all about christ and where's christ he's in the new testament (laughs) and so that's the law that we're living under now and so it almost seemed like well, why would I ever care about the Old Testament? And so it was, it was actually very clearly stated to me, spend your time in the New Testament. Right. Yeah. Um, that's kind of crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's, the way they were grew, grew up, I guess, had a, a different way of doing things. But yeah, I was, I was thrown off for a while and, and you start having a hard time now going through the old testament because the stories are all different because they seem so fantastic like a guy gets swallowed by a giant fish a little dude beats a giant with like a (laughs) slingshot right i mean all these stories that you hear of are just beyond imagination and you think these don't sound realistic at all what am i supposed to get out of a guy and his family spending 40 days and nights in a boat right? with a bunch of animals. Um, yeah, I think it can be very confusing. And then you get all these passages, long stretches of numbers and genealogies right. and laws that seem uh, irrelevant to my current life. Like don't boil a goat in its mother's milk. And you go, right. not sure what to do with that one. Um <laughs> And so, yeah, it seems very odd. The just the whole reading of everything that's in there. You know, there's a couple of cool parts and cool moments of battles and and stories about the Exodus, and you know, that's pretty cool stuff. But a lot of the other stuff is really crazy. A lot of the prophecies and things that you see in Daniel and and um, the minor prophets and the major prophets and things that you think, okay, what are they talking about here? Right. And so, yeah, I had a difficult time knowing what to do with it as a little kid outside of reading those basic stories. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because um, sort of what what made me change course, uh, and I know a lot of people that we know uh, listen to the Bible Project, right? Oh, of course. Really what what made me change my mind about the Old Testament, made me go like, there's something here I've never seen before, is um, one, I forget when, but this is now a couple of years ago, they did a whole series on the Holy Spirit. Okay. And they started in Genesis 1. And they started talking about this, the Holy Spirit in Genesis 1, and I was like, yeah, it never occurred to me. Like, I've read this passage a million times, 
but it never occurred to me that this is they're talking about the same thing and the story sort of carries from one to the other and i was just like like what, <laughs> what have i been reading yeah and so that was sort of uh big step one big scales step fell two. from your eyes <laughs> yeah but then what rocked my world even further ryan novak and you and i have been talking about this offline a lot because it just keeps coming up and i've been having this conversation so much recently uh, I started reading this book called uh, Restoring the Jewishness of the Gospel. And that rocked my world because basically the guy that writes this book, whose name I forget and I always forget and I can't believe I'm, it's going to, I'll put it in notes, but. <laughs> you came to the podcast unprepared. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But uh, he basically starts his book talking about how uh, the Bible is a Jewish book reading exclu written exclusively by Jews. It's a Jewish story. And yet that is a fact that most readers of the Bible completely ignore. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm one of those readers. <laughs> and so that sort of is, and since reading that book, I've read so many sort of, uh, understanding the Jewish background of the Bible type books and articles and all this other stuff. And I've sort of fully engaged full throttle into understanding the old Testament more. Uh, and I do say, I think it's, it's to my shame that it's taking this long for me to do this, but on the bright side, as I said in the beginning, uh, it has done amazing things for my Christianity. I think even, um, understanding Jesus and understanding his mission and understanding our mission and understanding the spirit and all the, all, all the, all the things that we hold dearly in Christianity have been enriched by a, my deeper understanding of the old Testament. Yeah. And I would be, uh, I would be even willing to say the following to the people that are listening to us is if you don't spend time to really understand the Old Testament, there are so many things in the New Testament that you're just completely glossing over. And I think there are things, they are things that are really, really important. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and just to give you an example, um, as I was preparing for this uh, for this podcast, I really wanted a scripture that made the, the point that we're talking about. And I just want to read uh, Hebrews 1. Uh, and again, this is a recurring segment in our podcast called Reading. And, <laughs> and so uh, just I would just want to read a few verses of, of chapter 1 of Hebrews. And again, as the book clearly states, this is a book written to Jews. Uh, who became Christians. Uh, so here we go. It says uh, in verse one, and I'm reading from the ESV, the version. Oh, of course. Reading. Uh, it says, uh, chapter one, verse one. It says, long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of, of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And then he continues for the rest of the chapter to quote Old Testament scriptures about how basically the Christ was God's son right mm -hmm. 
And there are so many things packed in these verses, Ryan, that if you don't have a clear background of the Old Testament, like you read this, and if you didn't know the Old Testament, you think like, oh man, Christ is a pretty big deal. But if you understand the background of the Old Testament and you read these verses, your mind is literally blown at the awesomeness yeah. of Christ. And, yeah. and you understand like what a big deal to the Jews was the arrival of Jesus. Like from, from verse one, from the get-go, Ryan Novak, the fact that he <laughs> said, hey, from, late, from long ago and from many times, we listened to the prophets, but now we're listening to this other guy. And you're like, but the prophets were everything, Ryan. Like the prophets were the the mouthpiece of God. And the author of the book of Hebrews is like, hey, we'll listen, we listen to those guys. And know that we shouldn't listen to them anymore. But now there's this guy, and we listen to him, and he is the son of God. And even like, you know, I love the part here where he says, um, uh, even when he talks about the last days, if you don't understand the Old Testament, you just go, well, what are the last days? We're living in the last days. Is that a big deal? Yes. Yes, it is, Ryan Novak. And if you knew the Old Testament, <laughs> you understand how big of a deal that is. But I digress. It says, uh, uh, I, love, I love verse 3. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. That is like a threefold way of saying that the Christ is God. Yeah. And again, that is a big deal in of itself. But if you understand with the background of the Old Testament, how much of a big deal that is, you read this and uh, quite, frankly, quite frankly, you should be uh, having tears of joy. Yeah. Because this, this is amazing. It's quite a way to open up a, a book. I mean, yes. he starts out just opening up the uh, the fire hose and hits you right in the chest with all this stuff. It's amazing. Barely any room to breathe. I know in these things. But yeah, it's it's very easy to overlook a lot of this stuff, and I love sort of the response that Jesus has in talking about himself to his disciples in light of all of this. Uh, Luke 24, Jesus raises from the dead and he's walking along with his uh, two guys on the road to Emmaus and he hears how they're feeling and he, he, he looks at them and he says, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with the Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And you imagine just this conversation and, and the way that their hearts must have been just like burning right. inside of them as they hear this and they go, oh, you mean that thing? That was talking about you, and this other thing, this was talking about you. And then he goes and he, he meets with his other disciples. And in verse 44, it says, He said to he, Jesus, said to them, his apostles and disciples, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that's written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. And he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise on the, from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. And you go, man, like, like all of a sudden in these stories, you realize that that his disciples, like everything started to click. Right. And they start going, oh, that's what he's meaning. That's what he was saying. And the significance of the entire Old Testament must have just like, their brains must have just absolutely exploded. Right. Seeing the significance of this. Um, you know, we heard a, a, a great 
sermon on Sunday at our church, and they were talking about the response of Thomas, who we tend to refer to as Doubting Thomas, and how he responded to seeing Jesus again, where he finally responded with, my Lord, my God. And all of a sudden you feel like here is this guy's confession of faith, just pulling all the pieces together of saying, I knew you as my rabbi, my teacher, the guy that I was going to follow. But now I see you as the master of my life and my creator. Mm. That that you are all these things together, and you go, oh my gosh, what a what an amazing understanding to come to all of a sudden, and to know that this is a guy that you've been spending the last three years of your life with, and and almost feeling like, oh my gosh, I wish I could go back and live it all over again, so that I could really understand everything that has happened, and understand who this was that I was following around. That must have just been an absolutely amazing thing to happen to their brains. Talks about like he expanded their minds and you go, oh my gosh. Right. What an amazing thing. Yeah. And uh you know Ryan for um I think it's important to uh sort of explain I guess the story of the Old Testament and how uh, it bleeds into the New Testament. And uh, I think, and actually, uh, Ryan, you, you I think, ex- express uh, and sort of summarize the story of the Bible really well. And I've always enjoyed hearing you uh, saying it. And I thought it would be good for our audience whose ears are now going to be uh, uh, burning. Well, not, not, not <laughs> burning, but I think, again, I think you, you have a really good grasp of this whole concept. Uh, I think you were into this whole understanding the Old Testament uh, before I was, and I think you've delved uh, deeper into it than I have. And I think, and again, I think this is a part of, of our sort of Bible journey that we really enjoy, that we're now beginning to, understand all of these things yeah feel like a is important to understand what is this this story and how how does that fit into all of the blowing of the minds that we've been talking about so yeah would you please uh ryan novak uh, yeah sort of walk us through it yeah. yeah walk us through sort of the story of the old testament and how it goes into the new testament and why it's such a big deal yeah I I do really enjoy this, and I love being able to tell the story. It, you know, for several reasons, I've only recently come to understand it, and I felt like once I did, everything started to make sense. And I felt like I was able to understand the significance of the Old Testament so much better, and the significance of the New Testament but also it like changed the way that I saw the Bible, that it became more about God and less about me. Because growing up, it was always about what are you doing? Are you doing the right things? Are you obeying? Are you a good person? And being able to see what the whole story is transformed how I think about the Bible and how I think about my relationship with God. And it becomes more this picture of God's omnipotence and his character, seeing who he is, but also really appreciating his pursuit of me and his pursuit of you. Right. That the Bible is not necessarily a book of rules and laws. There are rules. And there are laws in it, but that's not primarily what it is. Sure. It's, it's about understanding who God is. And because it's so big, it's difficult to understand that sometimes because so many different stories and there's a lot of details and you can kind of get bored in some in places. And so being able to kind of 
back out and look at the the story from that 30,000 foot perspective helps us understand what should I be seeing in this. So kind of starting from the beginning, the Bible opens up, as we all know, with the creation story, but it talks about how light out chaos creates this amazing the world man into as this amazing guard. There's this relationship that is there between God and man, and we see how God intended the world to be. He created that, and he said, all this is good. How I will be, and in the midst of all this goodness, I'm placing man. I'm putting this, this man who I'm creating in my own image to be like me, to continue the work that I've started. And he and I are going to have a relationship that we're going to be together. And there's there. And God, there is a difference. Man is not God. And God is not, but there's a, commute that was there and it was perfect and everything that god looked at he looked at and he said that's exactly how i wanted it to be and so god gives man this job of of ruling over the the earth and and he says this is all set up perfectly but there are some some rules you can't go over and you can't eat from this one tree that i'm telling you not to and man is then given this choice of how do I want to to respond? Do I want to let God set the rules or do I want to take matters into my own hands and decide what I should do? What is the best way for me to rule? Who's going to decide right and wrong? And he can work with God and he can follow the path that God started or he can make the choice to decide for himself and man ultimately chooses to make his own path and he chooses right and wrong for himself, and he decides what's good and evil for himself. Right. And as a result, man is cast out of the garden, and he's separated from God. And so sometimes we can overlook this story, but it's so significant what happens. Because just on page three, everything that God had created in the first two pages has been undone. And now it launches the rest of the Bible. And so we see this separation that God is constantly working to fix. That not only is it a separation between God and man, but it's between man and other men and man and woman and even man and the earth. And you start seeing that, that all these scriptures about how the earth has, is sinful. You say, what did the earth do? Well, it's, it's so significant what man did in separating himself from God, that it affects even the earth itself. Mm. And so we see that in the following chapters that the problem just gets worse, that it's not just one decision, but there's this downward spiral. And we see violence, murder, brutality, lying and cheating and betrayal. And in one of the chapters, uh, one of the characters even gloats about how violent he has become and he uses that as sort of a badge of honor to say i'm an amazing individual because i've killed these men i've had all these conquests and you say wow so quickly this separation of god and man has devolved into seeing the destruction of other men as a good thing Mm. that Goodness has been completely turned on its head. And you, you get this sense that there's there's nothing that can be done. But in chapter 12 of Genesis, the story kind of slows down and we meet Abraham, who's this completely random man, head of a completely random nobody family. God him out and he chooses to, to bless him. And right. God says, you know what? I'm going to give you a family. And your family's going to have the chance to create a new way forward for the rest of the world. And he renews that same promise that he'd made at the beginning to Adam and Eve. And he tells 
Abraham that if he and his family will remain devoted to him, that they will see immeasurable blessings and that they'll have the chance to change the fortunes of the rest of the world. It's the same exact promise that he made to, to Adam and Eve, page Bible. He's now repeating and saying, I'm going to do something for you. But not only is it going to be for you, but, but the entire world is going to have a chance to, to benefit from the blessings that I'm offering you. And so, unfortunately, we see that, that even though Abraham had this amazing opportunity to fix this broken relationship with God, Abraham's family ultimately failed to follow God, and they continued to do what Adam and Eve did in defining good and evil for themselves. And so this slide away from God continues, and they, they chose to, to give in to the temptation to choose their own path. And, and even though even those that, that God had appointed to lead them later on continued to fail, and they continued to lead Abraham's family away from God. So even the people that God put his hand on and said, choose you, continued to, to turn away from him. And so we kind of follow this story for a while, and we see bad things happening. And they go into slavery, and God brings them out. And he, he makes the promise to them again. And he says, more than just promising this one family, I'm going to take care of him. I'm now promising this entire nation. You people, all of you, I will be with. You'll be my people. I'll be your God. I'll bless you. I'll take care of you. But you have to remain dedicated to me. It's the same exact promise again and again and again. And we see that, again, it doesn't happen. And so God starts sending these, these crazy characters, these strange individuals known as the prophets to warn the people that if you continue what you're doing, living apart from God, that God is going to have to punish you. He's going to give you over to other nations to fooled, enslaved. You're going to be stale. Your home is going to be destroyed. You're not going to have a people that you're a part of anymore, you're going to live somewhere else. And that's exactly what happens. That all these prophets come in, they offer all these warnings, the people don't listen, and God ultimately has to become not a God of blessing, but a God of punishment to try and and turn them around. And he gives them to the other nations, to the nations of Babylon and Assyria, to, to teach them that apart from me, you can do nothing. And so he's trying to teach them and shepherd them. But the prophets, even after this happens, even after the blessings seem to have gone away, the prophets keep coming back and saying, that's not the end of the story. Mm. And they, they point out this, this leader who's going to come and say, there's going to be someone that's coming that is going to restore the hearts of the people back to him. And he'd be a new kind of leader. He wouldn't even be like the, the leaders that they've already had. And so Isaiah 11 is one of the most famous verses that, that looks towards this unnamed leader. In verse one, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breadth of his lips, he will slay the kid. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. And then he starts telling this like poetic picture, painting this poetic picture of what the world will be like, that he's saying that this leader is going to be so different that it's going to turn, almost turn reality on its head. And he says that the wolf will, lie, will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and the little child will lead them. 
the cow will feed with the bear. The, their young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand into the bird's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. And so we get this amazing picture of this, this guy who's going to come. And this message on the cusp of the, Abraham's family being led into exile and saying, this guy's on the horizon. He's going to come. And so the prophets keep pointing to this, this shadowy character and people keep looking out for him and saying, who is this guy? And he's given the nickname or the title Messiah, right. which means a savior, someone who's going to save us. And so there's all these different kinds of pictures and images. Well, is this going to be a military Messiah or a military savior? Is he going to be a political leader? Is he going to be something completely different? Is he going to be a man like you and me? Is it going to be God like coming down out of the skies uh, on the clouds? What is this going to be like? And unfortunately, the Old Testament ends without answers to those questions. And right. so we've kind of been getting excited about who this person is and seeing the hope that all the uh, prophets have. But nothing happens at the end of the Old Testament. It kind of ends as a cliffhanger. And speaking of cliffhangers, I'm going to take a drink of water. <laughs> I don't know how you can talk through all those things without taking a drink of water. Um, and so as you turn the page from the Old Testament into the New Testament, there's, there's what you don't realize is there's a gap of 400 years in between the last page of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament. And so you get this feeling that God has completely gone silent. He's not with his people anymore. And what we see as we open up the New Testament is we hear about this, this man named Jesus. And this is how his, his birth is described uh, in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, that's uh, that's going to be the mother of, of John the Baptist. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a, so a different person, to a virgin who's pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Now, before we go any further, uh, David, most of us know, was a king who... Uh, came from Abraham and led God's people and God had promised, Hey, I'm going to always have a King on the throne in the line of David. Right. And so here we, we get this instant ring back to David. So here we've got Joseph, a descendant of David. So the virgin's name was Mary and the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are Highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be, because angels don't tend to show up, much less tell people you're. Uh, but the angel said to her, "Don't Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High." The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants for his kingdom will never end. And uh, it also says in Matthew one twenty one, same conversation, the angel says to Terry, you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Hmm. So you get this, this prophecy that's not someone's on the horizon to come, but your son, 
And so a very near prophecy. And you're going to have a child, and you're supposed to give him this very specific name of Jesus. And at what the Jesus trace it through the different changes of language. Um, it's it's Yeshua in Aramaic, Hoshua, which is in Aramaic, but it basically means that the name means Yahweh brings salvation or Yahweh brings deliverance. It brings salvation. Mm. This promise of here's God to take care of people. He had promised to watch over them. We also heard his prophets promising of this leader who is coming, coming in the name of God. And here is an individual who's being uh, prophesied and given the name Yahweh brings salvation. Mm. So the whole story from beginning to this point, it's all been about who is this that's going to rescue God's people? Is it going to be a man or is God going to have to do it himself? Because what, we, what we've been seeing is that, that humans have been trying to save themselves, but they've been unable to do it. And right. so what has to happen is that God needed to involve himself. He needed to do what humans were unable to do. And so Yahweh, God, does this by becoming a human himself. And so the fact of Jesus's deity so woven into the fabric of the story that it's mm. actually his name. It's the meaning of his name. That it's not just Joe Blow came to save people, but it's that God himself came to save people. He involved himself. And every page of the story it forces you to take this point into account that Jesus is Yahweh bringing salvation to his people. And so it, the story ends up inviting us to consider Jesus as this human who is going to be the kind of human that, that you and I can never be. Right. Looking back throughout history, throughout the Old Testament, throughout the the, the call come back to, to God, no man ever bring people back. And so now we've got God involving himself intimately. And so later on, we'll talk about the cross and, and what that means. But just the arrival of Jesus on the scene pulls together so much from the Old Testament, so right. many of these different stories, so many of these prophecies, so much of this anticipation, so much of, of the underlying story that God is pursuing his people, that it all culminates, all those pieces, all those threads culminate in Jesus. And so the Old Testament is not something dusty and something to be discarded it's very much alive right but it is before jesus and so there's pre-jesus and post-jesus but everything aims at and directs at and points to jesus whether it's a story about noah and the ark or david and goliath or the prophets or creation itself it all points back to Jesus and looks forward to Jesus. And so he's more than just a figure in the New Testament. He's a figure in the Old Testament and throughout the Old Testament. So that's kind of an overview of, of the, the Old Testament and how it ties into the New Testament. And obviously you can spend more time going through it. But right. personally, 
in case I don't get the chance to say this again, I think people should learn that story and be able to tell other people because to me, it, it makes the rest of the Bible make sense. Like, yeah. why would I follow this guy because of who he is? He is God. And so I think that that's a, a, it's a very important foundational understanding that we can't overlook. Yes. And, you know, it's interesting, Ryan, because I think even uh, as I've gone in deeper and deeper into this, right? Because I think even the statement that you just made, that Jesus, uh, that the Christ was God and that that's why we should follow him. I think even in our uh, sort of contemporary understanding, that statement is challenging. But if we really understand the Old Testament, we really understand and accept that statement more. Because it's not like like that idea existed out of nowhere. It was an idea that, that is even talked about and touched on and sort of talked all the way through the Old Testament so that even when Jesus uh, alludes to the fact that he is on par with God, even though people don't necessarily agree with him, and even believe to um, blas- like even believe that he's blaspheming in saying those things. The framework by which he references those things has uh, it has a background. It's not like Jesus came out of nowhere and said these things just right. saying them. Like he's alluding to hundreds and thousands of years of of literary history that the his audience would have had a reference uh to what he was referring to yeah absolutely that's why the indignation is there sometimes we read some of those statements and we sort of read them from this side of history but we're not understanding the background and i think we lose a lot of that stuff yeah we just need to spend the time in the Old Testament to understand the the story that you explain. But ultimately, I think the mistake that we make is that we think that spending time in the Old Testament isn't going to do anything for our Christianity, when in reality, it does everything for our Christianity. You know, can I speak on that for a second? I yes. think that a lot of times when we read our Bible especially for quiet times, there's this feeling of, I need to walk away with something every single day. Uh, sort of this mentality of, I'm going to go to the ATM and I'm going to take some money out and yes. withdraw it. And now I've got something that I can use. Right. I think that a better analogy for us is to think about making deposits into a bank, meaning that there may, you are adding to what is already there and it is growing behind the scenes. Um, I think that sometimes you can read things in the old Testament that don't make sense and you don't have to feel like your time was wasted. If you walk away from your time in the old Testament going, I have no idea what that was about. Mm. You made a deposit and it may be 10 years from now before you realize the implications of knowing the word in, in such a way that you go, I know that verse. I know now what it means. I know the, the significance of it. And now, 10 years later, it's having an impact back on me. And so we can't have this mentality of, I'm always trying to draw out something from the Bible. You can always get something from the Bible, but many times, especially as you're working your way through what can feel like a very overwhelming thing like the Old Testament, it might be more helpful to look at it as making deposits and not feeling compelled to learn some life-changing truth that day because it is something new. It is something, in spite of its name, um, it is something new that that many of us are, especially in our tradition, are fairly unfamiliar with. Um, right. But if you are uh, an older, more mature Christian, 
and you've never given time to the Old Testament to learn its significance, now is a great time because this is really a topic that, at least as far as I'm aware, has seems to be exploding lately. Yes. I'm hearing a lot of people talk about it. I'm seeing it up a lot more across um, blogs and, and articles coming out about it, tons of different uh, podcasts and everything about this topic, that this is a, a great time to try and learn about it and see what it can do for you and your faith. Yep. And uh, as it happens many times, Ryan Novak, you have uh, closed us off with a great uh, thought and a great statement. Uh, (laughs) If you listen to this podcast, go read your Old Testament right now or tomorrow morning. And uh, I would read the whole thing. Yeah, just read the whole thing. Um, (laughs) Again, I, you know, we wanted to do this because I think, again, this is something that has revolutionized our walk with God. And we hope it does the same for yours. And hopefully we encourage you to do that. And uh, we want to thank you so much for uh, listening to this podcast. Uh, I did want to take this opportunity uh, to announce, Ryan Novak, that uh, we are starting another podcast. And by we, I mean me. And uh, (laughs) our new podcast is going to be called The Way of the Wayfarer. And uh, basically, let me just explain as I announce this, because I'm really excited about it. Um, What we're doing here, Ryan Novak, I think is awesome. And I enjoy it thoroughly. And I think it's taken a turn that I really wanted to take from the beginning, which we've really made this uh, very much of uh, an approachable academic Bible podcast, right? Like, we really enjoy the deep into it. However... Uh, it's not like we are Bible scholars that speak uh, Greek and German and all this other stuff. But the nature of this podcast uh, takes a lot of work. Like Ryan and I spend a lot of time discussing what we're going to talk about. We do a, a fair amount of research on it. It's the same thing with for the videos that sort of accompany this podcast. And uh, at the same time, we feel like we want to uh, create more content and also make content that is more along the lines of uh, the Christian life, although we talk a lot about the Christian life in this podcast, but more uh, devotional in nature, I guess, is the best way I can put it. And so we're starting another, and again, by we, I mean I, I'm starting another podcast slash video series that's going to be more on the inspirational, devotional, daily Christian life side. Uh, and again, be looking forward, uh, be looking to it. One of the other things that this is sort of, um, um, made us, made me think about is how we approach social media with all this stuff. So, uh, as always, you can follow us at EtherMMC, and that's where we update a lot of our content and all that stuff. But I'm also starting a more personal social media account in which I'm going to share a lot of more um, behind the scenes stuff and a lot more uh, personal stuff. And if you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, at Rodrigo Ether, you are more than welcome to. Like I said, uh, I'm going to begin to share more personal stuff on those accounts. And uh, either way, uh, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully this has inspired you and motivated you to read your Old Testament more in depth. And uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next one.